Aaron, we're going to Belgium Youth Camp. And then, Lord willing, January 10th, when I get back, we'll be in uh, Duncan. So that's a picture of Duncan. That's the valley there. My house is somewhere down there. Have, we have a little rancher kind of in the middle there. So looking forward to seeing some of you come visit us. Amen. And uh, just happy, excited for whatever the Lord has. Excited for Belgium, too, coming up. Um, there's about 230 young people coming. It's the first time in like 13 years they had to cancel or close the registration down before the deadline because there were so many young people that signed up. So that's exciting. It's myself and Michael will be sharing the meetings. And um, I just believe the Lord's going to do something special. Um, you know, me and Michael are two of the biggest nobody ministers in the message. So we're just happy that uh, youth are excited to gather around the Word. Amen. So we're not uh, just depending upon ourselves. We're trusting the Lord will do something very special. And we're happy to be here in service again. And I just felt to say too, you know, this is Christmas season. But let's keep Christ in Christmas. Amen. Let's not get too busy this week running around for presents or turkey and things. Um, those are fine. But let's, let's keep uh, Christ in Christmas and the right atmosphere. Amen. We don't want to be uh, arguing or fussing and fighting in the kitchen with our loved ones. We want to have a good time. Presents or no presents. Amen. If all we have is oranges to give to each other, and just that's, that's good. Amen. Oranges are good for us. Vitamin C. A lot of us fighting a cold right now. So uh, if that's all we have, praise the Lord. So we'll turn to the Bibles, if you don't mind. Psalms chapter 20. Try not to be too lengthy. Psalms 20. It's a very uh, simple subject on my heart tonight. I remember about seven or eight years ago, but Tom did a series about how Christ is our refuge, our city of refuge, and how we need to run to Him. And I'm just kind of revisiting that, but from my perspective a little bit. Psalms 20, we'll read the whole chapter. It's nine verses. Then after that, we'll go to Acts chapter 4 for one verse. The Lord hear thee in the day of trouble. The name of God of Jacob defend thee. Send thee help from the sanctuary and strengthen thee out of Zion. Remember all thy offerings and accept thy burnt sacrifice, Salah. Grant thee according to thine own heart and fulfill all thy counsel. We will rejoice in thy salvation and in the name of our God, we will set up our banners the Lord fulfill all thy petition. Now know I that the Lord saveth his anointed. He will hear him from his holy heaven with the saving strength of his right hand. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. Hallelujah. They are brought down and fallen, but we are risen and stand upright. Save, Lord. Let the king hear us when we call. Hallelujah. That's a good verse, right? Save, Lord. Let the king hear us when we call. Glory. One more verse and act before, if you don't mind. And also, Brother Caleb, that poem was very, very good. So enjoy that. I mentioned at youth meeting on Friday that we need to seek to please the Lord first and not be split between pleasing the Lord and people. And if we seek to please people too much, it paralyzes creativity. And we don't see the songs written like we should. We don't see uh, different expressions of Christ like we should if we're always worried about what other people think. So seek to please the Lord first. So I'm glad, Brother Caleb, you stepped out and did that. Just one verse, if you don't mind. Acts 4, verse 12. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven giving, given among men whereby we must be saved. Amen. Amen. We'll have one more word of prayer, then we'll be seated. 
Heavenly Father, we're thankful for the name of Jesus Christ. That's the only name under heaven whereby we may be saved. Lord, thankfully, you gave us a revelation of that. You gave us faith to believe, Lord. If you did not give us faith, Lord, we couldn't muster it up ourselves. So, Lord, we just pray you'd be with us again this evening. Bless the word in its simplicity, but may it touch our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Praise the Lord. You may have your seats. So I'm a very simple person, as you know. I spend a lot of my time um, with dirt and wood and, or sitting in a chair drinking tea. I'm very simple, and I like the word to be practical. I was talking to some brothers that if you went to plumbing school for three or four years, when you come out of plumbing school, you should know how to do some plumbing. You shouldn't just say, it was great, the teachers were amazing, I met some great friends, but you don't know how to plumb. Right? So all this time we spend around the word, it should affect us in our practical lives. And so I just want to be very, very practical this evening. Um, my title is it's not even a real word, but it's just the only word that I could think of. It's uh, bunkerism. Amen? Everybody's looking for a bunker these days. This is an age of danger and fear and so forth. And so everybody's trying to find some sort of safety bunker or bomb shelter. But there's no safe place outside of Christ. So let's make sure we're in Christ tonight. Amen. Amen. We don't want to be in some false bunker, some false bomb shelter that will not uh, last. You know, I have friends that are even here tonight or friends in Victoria. You know, they're refugees in Canada. And they're happy to leave countries that had turmoil and genocides. They're happy to be a refugee in Canada. But how much more are you and I to be a refugee in Christ? Amen? To, to escape sin, to escape the devil, and to be in Christ. We should be so happy about that and excited. I know we have hard times and so forth. But we need to be able to appreciate the simplicity of being in Christ. And not always looking for something big and super duper. You know, we need to celebrate the reality of a union with Jesus Christ. Amen? And all its glory and all its simplicity. I know, I, I think a lot of us, sometimes we're looking for something too big and too super duper. You know, some people think, you know, brother, when that, when that double portion comes like Elisha had, it's already come. It's already come. If you're looking for something like that, it's come and gone. The double portion is referring to inheritance. So Elisha wanted a, an inheritance from Elijah because Elijah had no sons. Right? And so Elisha said, if you see me go up, you can have what you're asking. And he threw down his mantle. Elijah had no sons. He had nothing but a mantle. So naturally and spiritually, Elisha received that portion. The double portion is what a firstborn son would get. You can read that in Deuteronomy 21:17. But a lot of people, they're looking for something great to come. And they already possess the great thing. A lot of people are looking you know, for some third pull manifestation. The last time Brother Brennan refers to the third pull, it's referring to the opening of the word. The seven seals. You can read about that. Anointed ones of the end time. What is the traction of the mountain? That's the last time he mentions it. The third pull is the opening of the word. Already come. We've already re- responded to that. Amen? We don't always need to be looking for something so great and super duper. We need to realize what we possess. What do we possess? Who are we united with? Right? Our mind is so worked up and so spinning and so going, we need to slow down sometimes, stop, and realize who has got a hold of our lives. Who has allowed me to grab a hold of them also? And Jesus Christ, He loves us in all our rawness. The real version of you and I, He loves. He has, you can have a union with the perfect God and yet be so imperfect. He loves us in our rawness. And you know, a lot of times myself or different, you know, all of us, we have kind of like a, a polished up version of our, our, our public version of ourselves. But the Lord knows every aspect of us. And He loves the rawness. And He likes us to be raw with Him too. 
to be open and, and to be honest and to just be able to express ourselves the way we are. You know, being in union with Christ, it does not take away doubts, fears, times of anxiety and so forth like that. It doesn't take away questions that we have. Amen? The Lord, He likes us to ask Him questions. Mary even asked the angel a question, you know, how shall these things be? How, how am I going to have a baby? I've never known a man. So Mary asked the angel a question, right? The Queen of Sheba. She asked Solomon hard questions. And so being in union with Christ, it doesn't make us know everything. It doesn't make us um, flawless. He's the flawless one. And so we can be in that safety zone because of him. Can we turn to one more scripture together if you don't mind? Ephesians chapter 2. This, this chapter has just been something special to me. Uh, just when I was reading it the last couple of months or so forth, just thinking about the middle wall of partition that Christ broke down. Ephesians 2, verse 11. Remember there, wherefore remember that ye being in times past a Gentile, or a non-Jew, in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision, by which that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers from the covenant of the promise, having no hope, and with God, without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who are sometimes far off, are made nigh by the blood of Christ. Sorry, if you, just pause for a moment. Because remember, all the promises and the covenants were to do with the Jews, were to do with Israel, not to do with the Gentiles. And so at one time, we were far off. We who weren't Jews, we were not partakers of those promises pertaining to Israel and so forth. And, but we, now we can come near because of the blood of Christ. Amen. Keep going here if you don't mind. For he is our peace, who hath, made, who hath made both one, and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of twain, right, of the Jews and of the Gentiles, one new man, so making peace, and that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached peace to you which were afar off, and to them that were nigh. For through him we both have access by one Spirit unto the Father. Now therefore ye are no more strangers, foreigners, but are fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Hallelujah. I just love that. He's broken down the middle wall of partition. Excuse me. Because even in the time of uh, what they call Herod's temple, which was the second temple, then Herod in Rome did some upgrades to it and so forth. But when you came to the temple, there was a Gentile wall. So the Jews could go in, but the Gentiles could only come to a certain spot and they had to stay out because they weren't Jews. Right? So there was a wall. They could get so close to the promises of God and they had to stop. Right? But because of the blood of Jesus Christ, that middle wall is done away with. We can go all the way. Amen? Go all the way and have a relationship with Jesus Christ. As Brother Tim was preaching this morning, to have an unimpaired conscience. To have our conscience purged. Amen? By the blood of Jesus Christ. Not just by the blood of bulls and of goats and of pigeons, but by the blood of a lamb without spot. Yes. Hallelujah. Yes. 
So I just want to focus on that because for us to get, we can never get into that safety zone if it had not been for that supreme sacrifice. There's no way any Gentile could be partakers of the promises without the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. So he paid the price so you and I can come to that safety zone. And so let's remember that because like, uh, I'll be flying on an airplane soon, but the Michael will too. And you know, you have to show them your ticket. You have to show them your token to get on the plane. A price is paid but when it's time to fly, you need that token. You can't give them money at that time. Right? So Christ paid the price and we receive a token, which is the Holy Ghost. So I just kind of want to methodically work through this. Not super methodically because it's me, but I kind of want to somewhat methodically work through this thought because I want to anchor down in our minds this, how safe we are in Christ. I was driving in my car. I'll just skip ahead to one quote and I just started a big smile on my face because... Uh, a comment Brother Brennan makes about the token, about the Holy Ghost. He says, what a positive token. There cannot be any more positive token. Oh my, if you could only catch the thought of it. If I had the power this morning with words to express, express and place into your soul, not just your ears, but your soul, you could see the guarantee of it. It makes you so relaxed. Amen. Hallelujah. The Holy Ghost, it makes you so relaxed. Amen. And he begins to talk about how that you know, if you were guilty of a crime and, you know, even though you had the best lawyer, you'd be nervous because, you know, can the lawyer get you off or can he not? And so you'd be nervous. But he says, Christ is both a judge, jury, and attorney. Hallelujah. <laughs> it makes you so relaxed. And I don't mean this disrespectfully, but life is rigged for the elect. It's rigged for us. Right? There, there, there's no way. What can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus? What can stop us from fulfilling our purpose? Look at all the different Bible characters, like Joseph and different ones. God's purpose was going to be fulfilled through their lives. Joseph's life was rigged. Right? How much more you and I, our lives are rigged. Hallelujah. He shed his blood for you and I. Gave us the Holy Ghost. God is so much greater than any human being. Amen. He's so much greater than anything. And he cares for our lives. He's going to fulfill his purpose in our lives. He's perfect. We're not. Hallelujah. But we can have union with Him. Hallelujah. We don't need, and we don't need to project our imperfections towards Him all the time. He knows. He's not focused upon that. He sees us through the blood. Hallelujah. We'll be imperfect until the rapture. And you can rejoice in your imperfections. Not that you want to hang on to them, but you will let Him transform them in His time. Hallelujah. We're not trying to transform ourselves by our own intelligence, but we let Him transform us. Glory. Sorry for going a bit like a racehorse. I just, I just love this. I love the reality of Christ and what He's doing in our lives. Hallelujah. Without Him, where would we be? Now, I spent uh, 12 years in public school and 12, 13 years of Bible boy now, so it's, I feel like, you know, <laughs> I'm just, it's just a special stage of my life, too. I'm just so happy. I just love the Lord, and I'm so thankful for what, you know, it's so, such a privilege for Him to open things up to us from the Word. You know, you're driving in your car, Brother Roy, and just something opens up to you. Yeah. Hallelujah. Amen. And it's not just, you know, the sports score that's making you excited. It's the Word. Amen. The Word's opening up to you, and you're excited about it. Amen. Glory. So I'll, I'll just kind of go through this about this safe place that we're in that can make us so relaxed. Hallelujah. So if we can understand it more, we can be more relaxed in it. We're going to have burdens. We're going to have times of desperation. But if we can really anchor down our salvation, not always wondering, am I saved? Am I not saved? Am I saved? Am I not saved? Maybe we can help anchor that down for some this evening. 
All right, I want to go through a few more slides, if you don't mind. This first one's a bit choppy, but I just want to um, use it anyways. And then when he heard Pastor Moses speak that day, referring to the first exodus, you've got to get beneath that blood. For God said the blood is a token. It is a token. No matter how much you believe, how much you are circumcised, that is a covenant God gave Abraham and so forth. That's a covenant. But you've got to get beneath that blood. That is a token. For he said, when I see the blood, I'll pass. Israelite or any, and he's swinging it now to the new, or any denomination or whatever, either one, you must come beneath the blood. Methodist, Baptist, Presbyterian, Pentecostal, undenominational, whatever you are, it's for an individual. You've got to come beneath the blood. Hallelujah. It's an individual walk with God. We, all of us, need to come under the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And you know, it's such an in- Christianity is such an individual walk. And I don't even know how to explain this, um, but I was thinking about the last couple of days, but Christianity really, I, not, I don't want to say it like this, but just maybe help you. Christianity at its peak or its zenith between you and God separates you and is above any earthly, earthly relationship, even between a friend, family member, husband, or wife. Really, when you really come into the harmony with God, it really separates you from everybody, even loved ones. It, it, it makes you, you just realize, even though I love my wife, there's aspects of me she'll never be able to understand. And as she walks with God, there's parts of her I'll never be able to fully understand because she's walking with God. And I'm walking with God. And there's something that is so much greater about our walk with Him that it, it, we came into this world alone and we, we leave this world if we don't go by the way of the rapture as an individual. But he just brings you into such a spot where it's you and him. When Jesus Christ was here, it was just him alone. When he was on the cross in his most glorious time there was, he was there with himself. All his disciples had left him and so forth. So I just wanted to, I I didn't express that quite right, but I just want to know it's such an individual walk with God. Now, just don't talk about it. Receive it. Hear me, hear me. In the name of the Lord, hear me. God to come beneath the blood. He has, not, he has not made responsible for any person from beneath the blood. God made it clear that all from under the blood would perish. May I use his words. All outside of Christ will perish. How to get in Christ, 1 Corinthians 12, by one spirit, not by a handshake, not by membership, not by denomination. That's what we're trying to make it these days. These days they are. They may do that, but by one spirit we're all baptized into one body. If an angel from heaven teaches anything else, Paul said, let him be accursed. That is the message. Come into Christ. Amen. Amen. Not just to believe it. We need to receive it. We need to, you and I as individuals need to come into it. We need to come into that reality of that experience. And so this evening, maybe someone's never come in there before. You can come in tonight. Or maybe some of us need to just come in for a fresh drink from the Lord. Because this is an age of fear. Everyone's afraid. Everyone's running to and fro, trying to find some kind of shelter. Everyone's trying to find, trying to find some uh, kind of place where they can be safe. And I was thinking about different bunkers that there are, and there's this one in Norway where it's not even meant for humans. It's meant for seeds. So man in his intelligence thinks, hey, if something happens to this world, we need to preserve seeds. And so they have this huge bunker, and it's just made for seeds. So man and their intelligence are creating all kinds of these little safety zones in there. You know, this is some people's real job. Some people with big degrees. There's probably a guy there today separating um, rose seeds and maple tree seeds and so forth. Everybody knows something's wrong. 
things could go sideways very fast. So they're trying to preserve life in a human way. And so that could happen to you and I too. We try and preserve our life in a carnal way. We can try and preserve our spiritual life in a very carnal way. So we need to make sure that we're going God's provided way. The prophet says people are digging holes down in the states. They're going down into caves, making government offices. Well, the atomic bomb, the one they got now, will burst the earth. I believe it's three or four hundred deep, feet deep and 150 miles square. If you was 10,000 feet under the earth, plumbed down in the lava, it would break every bone in your body. You can't dig away from it. But we've got a bomb shelter. It's not made of steel. It's made of feathers. Under his wings. Amen. Be lifted up. That's right. Before that bomb drops, we'll be in glory. Amen. So we need, to, we need to say, Lord, don't let me be influenced just by the wisdom of this age. Trying to find some kind of safety zone. Let me come to, into your safety zone. The one that you provided for us. Because even though you, know, you and I hopefully aren't building a bomb shelter in our backyard, hopefully not, naturally we can always, we're always trying to create some kind of a safety zone. Whether it's by finances, right? People are trying to store up as much money as they can, or Bitcoin, or whatever they can, to try and uh, save themselves for when things go sideways. And I believe we should all be good stewards and do what we can with our finances or so forth, but that's not God's long-term safety zone. Some people... They're trying to preserve themselves by health. Nothing wrong. We should, all, we should all eat good, especially this holiday seasons. Lord, help us with the white sugar. Amen. We should all, but you know, as humans, you know, you can do your best. You can be as healthy as you can, but a microscopic bug can take you out. And then what? You can be the healthiest person in the world, but a little bug can get you. Right? So that's, even that, it's not a long-term safe, safety zone. And some people wonder, you know, what are we doing living on the Pacific Rim um, the ring of fire. How can you live on the west coast? That's the earthquake zone. Oh my, come on friends. Give me a break. I'm more worried about distracted drivers on their cell phones than I am about an earthquake. Amen. We have to commit our lives to the Lord. We can't be worried about natural things that could take our life all the time. If we're in Christ, the token makes you so relaxed. We shouldn't be living in fear of earthquakes. You know, on the news, you know, they're reporting, you know, 7.2 tremors and this and that. Praise the Lord. When that time comes, Lord, you're going to wrap things up. Things are, things are being fulfilled. Amen. I think it's comical, though, you know. You drive down the road and you see signs for, like, disaster routes. As if people are going to methodically follow disaster routes. If there's a tidal, you know, typhoon or something, everyone's just... Just driving down these nice little uh, routes they've planned for us to escape. You know, people are going to go crazy. When we had that big windstorm a couple years ago, and the power was out for a few days, and the gas stations were starting to run out of gas around here, already that, people were starting to get weird. And that was just a couple days of no electricity. People are going to go crazy. That's why we need to make sure we're in Christ. Make sure we're in that safety zone. Because it's going to happen. Things are going to go completely sideways. And we don't need to focus on that, but focus on being in Christ. I don't need to focus on North Korea, earthquakes, or all these different kinds of things. I need to be in Christ. Amen? Amen? That's the place I want to be. I'm thankful to be there. So naturally, we cannot just try and build some kind of safety zone. Because wealth can come, wealth can go, health can come, health can go. Right? All these things. But spiritually, we need to make sure that we're not running into a false safety zone either. Right? Running somewhere and thinking, okay, I'm safe, right? Even, even Goshen wasn't fully safe when it was the time of the token, right? Things change. 
right? Goshen was safe for a certain amount of plagues, but then when Moses said, apply the blood, then even if you were in Goshen, but if you didn't apply the blood, your firstborn would die. So they had to be mindful of the word as it progressed. So even some people think, you know, spiritually I'm safe because of what church I go to. You know, I go to a good church. That won't, that won't save us. Just going to a good church will not save you or I. Just because you or I or somebody has a good pastor, that won't save them either. Just, just by fellowshipping around the, the right doctrine won't save you. Right? As much as we want, we want to have a good church. We want to have a good pastor. And we do. And we want to have the right doctrine. That in itself is not the safety zone. Right? And, and we can say, oh, I'm, I'm, thank, I'm so thankful my kids were able to go to BCA for the time that they were there. It's fantastic. But that in itself won't save my children. Right? None of these things are substitutes from an experience with Christ. And that experience can come because he shed his blood. Right? We can't preach experience without the blood. Because or else people try and have an experience of their own merits, of their own strength and energy, when they need to realize you can have an experience because he paid the price. Amen? We can't, we can't forget that. But let's not be trying to run into some false safety zone. Let's get into the real one. Right? And deep call thunder deep. If your deep's calling for a safe place, there's a deep to respond to that. There's a Holy Spirit to respond to that. Because, you know, if you look online, there's people selling bomb shelters. It's a business, right? And I'm sure there's good salesmen giving you a good pitch about uh, these safe places and, and so forth. And so there can be spiritual salesmen preaching false safety zones, right? And they can, they can sound really good. We need to make sure that it agrees with the Word of God. We need to re- make sure our life, our heart, where we are, agrees with the Word of God. In Christ alone. The prophet says, this is, I'm going to keep going a bit here. That was the theme of every apostle. Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Excuse me. Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Repent every one of you and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for it's a token. Amen? That you've passed from death unto life. I just love that. That's in the token message. The theme of every apostle. Hallelujah. Trying to get people to get saved. Trying to get people to receive the Holy If you read the book of Acts, it's a lot of people receiving the Holy Ghost as the word came forth to them. And we need to make sure we don't lose that theme. The theme, the central idea, is to receive the Holy Ghost. So we, we shouldn't make the gospel some other theme. We, there's lots of good side aspects to the, the word of God. And we need to make sure we major on the majors. Minor on the minors. But we need to make sure that, hey, let's make sure people receive the Holy Ghost. It's nice to have other people to fellowship with in a church, but that's not good enough. It's not good enough to be a church member. We need to be in the correct safety zone. Amen? He's broken down the middle wall of partition, but we need to get in. And he's beckoning to some even tonight, I believe. Sometimes we just need to realize people need to be honest and say, hey, I don't have it. Like Aaron McGarry mentioned at the youth meeting, you know, people can get under pressure. Okay, we just got to keep going along, going along. And I don't want to admit I don't have it because I've been going along for so long. But if you know you don't have it, you just need to admit you don't have it. And woe unto us who do have it to make them feel ashamed. If you don't have it, praise God if you admit it. We're so happy to help you then get it. Amen? To come into the reality of Christ. So let's not lose the theme. Let's not lose the central idea. 
that people can receive the Holy Ghost. To connect the imperfect people with the perfect one. And the perfect sacrifice makes that way. So I want to read a quote because this is just so burning on my heart about token, about the Holy Ghost. Because if we look at the early church and what they did and how they acted and what their emphasis was, we need to make sure that our emphasis isn't something different. Brother Ram preaches the token message in the morning and then in the evening he preaches desperations. He says, Now I'm sure or hope that you got what the token meant. See, the token is the sign the blood has been applied. For the price that's been asked, required of God, Jesus paid that price by shedding his own blood. He did that. Amen. Then from his life came the Holy Spirit, and when the blood is applied to you, we apply it by faith, the Holy Spirit is a token that your price is paid, God has received you, and that's the token. So I just wanted to mention that because what we need is the Holy Ghost. And Jesus paid the price. And so when we talk about the token, we should all be somewhat very close on the same page. Because I've heard different things before, and some for the token, it's like a, a verbal paintbrush. And I apply the token. It's like a, a magic spell just by saying words. But it's, it's not that. It's more than that. Right? It's not the token. You're not saved because you're baptized in water. Right? That's just an outward sign of something taking place on the inside. Right? And some people, they say, oh, you need to be part of a tape church, a tape church, and then, then you can be under the token. That's not it either. Right? We need the Holy Ghost. And Jesus paid the price. <laughs> I just want to anchor that down. He, you and I can never pay the price. Never. Just, we're, we're justified, and I've mentioned this before, but to me, I really, I, I really want the concepts of God to be anchored down. Like I was saying about plumbing, Brother Elias. You know, if you're in school for plumbing, you need to get plumbing concepts anchored down. The standards, the codes, and how you're allowed to do things, and how you're not allowed to do things. Right? And so we need to get the concepts of God anchored down in our lives. And I, I took a BCA devotion with some of the young kids, and I, it was called Learning to Think. God wants you to think. Jesus asked a lot of questions. Right? Who, who do people say that I am? Well, some say you're Elijah, some say you're Jeremiah, some say you're John the Baptist. And Jesus said, who do you say that I am? So Jesus asked questions. He didn't, he didn't want to just talk and then them listen. He wants them to respond. What do you think? Who am I? Right? He wanted them to think and express for themselves. Right? And God wants us to think and express. Right? He doesn't want us just to hear somebody preach from the pulpit and us never do our own thinking. Right? To us, to not, us to never do our own to, uh, thought process to come to conclusion on certain topics in the Word of God. The Word's for all of us. Right? Let's not make it where it's Catholic and only the priests understand it and can speak Latin and the common people can't get into it. In the olden days, when the, in, the, in England and so forth, when the Word started becoming into English... They would just read the Bible at university and it spoke a revival. Just because for the first time they could hear the, the Word of God in their own language. Right? And they rejoiced because they began to hear things about justification. They began to hear things about sanctification. And it wasn't in Latin. Hominum, bumminum, hominum, bumminum, hominum, bumminum, right? Smoke and candles and all sorts of traditions and procedures and things like that. They began to hear the Word being justified by His blood. Hallelujah! To be declared not guilty because Jesus paid the price. Hallelujah! I love it. He's the Lamb. 
the lamb that was inspected without spot. Hallelujah. Not you and I. It's not you and I that's inspected. Not our lives. We're not coming to him just by ourselves. The, the worshiper was identified with their sacrifice. And that's who we're identified with, is Jesus Christ. The perfect lamb. We need to speak about Jesus more. This, this may sound controversial to somebody, but not just speak about God. Speak about Jesus. Right? Because God came down in the form of a man and died for our sins. When you're speaking about Jesus, you're speaking about the one who came down and died for you, paid the price for you. Right? You know, I, I love God. I believe God. That's, that's good. Absolutely. But what, what does Jesus mean to you and I? There's no other name under heaven whereby we may be saved other than the name of Jesus Christ. What's Jesus mean to you? What's he mean to me? He's worth he's, it's, he's, oh, To talk about him, to think about him, to pray in his name, to say, Lord, forgive me. Lord Jesus, I love you. I appreciate what you did for me. To speak about him, to lift him up. Hallelujah. He's so worthy. Jesus Christ alone is worthy. Hallelujah. Oh my Lord, we love you. What he did for us. He didn't have to come down. He didn't have to. He did. Came down, shed his blood. The God of life paid his blood, paid with his blood for you and I. Hallelujah. And then we can be partakers. Hallelujah. Of the covenants and the promises and everything like that. We need to realize what we've been in union with. As I've said before, but I think sometimes we're just looking for something so super duper, so big, not realizing who has beckoned to us to walk with him, to fellowship with him. We're looking for something so shiny. How impressed would we have been with the early church? You know, yeah, come to church with me. You're going into a cave, right? With these strange people. Worshipping Lord Jesus. And then they're, they're going to have some bread and some wine after. And this represents his body that was broken. This represents his blood that was shed for you and I. How, how impressed would you have I been with the early church? These five, six, or seven weird guys. Because the churches were small. Right? But they were people who loved God. Were so thankful for what he did for them. You can read an excerpt in the Church Age book of, from Justin Martyr. Brother Ram describes uh, what the early church did and how their worship services were like and so forth. Oh, for the simplicity of Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So the token is the Holy Ghost. It's not just something we say. It's not just going to church or who's your pastor or things like that. It's not just believing the message. It's not that. It's the Holy Ghost. And it's unconventional. And it's unorthodox, but it's the truth. <laughs> you know, it's not something big and shiny, as I said. A true, a true Egyptian is not impressed by it. And the days when they slayed the lamb and put it on their doorpost and the lintel and so forth, an Egyptian would not be impressed by that. Because they thought very little of shepherds. Remember when they were coming into Egypt and Joseph said, Don't say you're shepherds, say you're cattlemen. And Jacob said, No, I'm a shepherd. I live with sheep. I work with sheep. Right? So already Egypt had this stigma concerning shepherds, sheep. So now here they are. To be saved, you've got to slay this lamb and put it on your doorpost. Door, door it's not impressive to Egyptians. Right? And Egypt represents the world. Right? To someone who's so indoctrinated in worldly things, it's not impressive. Right? But to the believer, it's something that means so much. The Passover was the beginning of the calendar 
for the Jews. And they always had to remember the Passover. And we were in Victoria on Sunday, and Brother Alex was preaching about how then after the Passover, they were referred to as the ransomed. Hallelujah. God's people were the ransomed. Amen. We're referred to as the ransomed. I like that. So it's not impressive. It's not super shiny, but it's the truth. In Jeremiah 45.5, it says, And seekest thou great things for thyself? Seek them not. For behold, I will bring evil upon all flesh, saith the Lord. But thy life will I give unto thee for a prey in all places whither thou goest. I like that. So one sec. So this is Jeremiah. The word of the Lord come to Jeremiah for his servant Barak, who was like his scribe. It was like his secretary and so forth. He was worrying about different things. And uh, the word of the Lord came to him and says, Seekest great things for thyself? Seek them not. For behold, I will bring evil upon all flesh, saith the Lord, but thy life will I give unto thee for a prey. I'll give your life. Your life is a reward for you. In all places whither thou goest. You know, it's not about big things. But the Lord will give us a life. A life in Christ. It's not something big. It's not something shiny. But it's the truth. Hallelujah. So the token, let's just, so we say, we'll follow this through. You know, what is the token? What do we need? What kind of, what needs to be displayed? It's, it's the Holy Ghost. Right? And the life, the blood that was, a lamb was, the lamb's blood was shed, the blood was applied with hyssop, which represents faith, to the outside of the door. So that, that blood was displayed on the outside. And the lamb was eaten on the inside. Right? So we partake of the lamb. Amen. The blood on the inside of our house, as it were. But then it, there's a displayed life. Amen. The life is ex- displayed through us. The token and simplicity that we need is the Holy Ghost. And so, how do you get it? Let's make it simple. Full obedience to the whole Word of God, to God's entire Word, will entitle you to this token. Now, I wanted to specifically include this because I find people use this quote very, very heavy upon people to make it a greater burden and a greater weight than it needs to be. Full obedience to the whole Word of God. It's like, oh, Lord, you know? Every line upon line, every word upon word, you need to come under obedience or you're not going to receive the Holy Ghost. It's, oh, God! Right? It's a false pressure we put on one another. We can very easily become Pharisees and Sadducees putting weights upon one another that we ourselves could never even bear. But for some reason, we get concepts that are incorrect and push them upon other people. Right? But it's, it's, Christianity is always simple. If you're receiving some revelation and it's really complex, I would question it. Right? Because it has to c- come back to some form of simplicity. Amen? Causing you to love Him more, to love His Word more, to love His people more. His revelation will bring you to that. Because those are the, great, the two greatest commandments. Jesus, what are the greatest commandments? To love the Lord with all your heart, mind, soul, strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. So every revelation that we have should be able to come towards the point towards those two. Because if we're receiving something that's not pointing towards the greatest two commandments, where are they pointing? Right? So, full obedience. And I love this. I believe this. The Ram says, how do you do it? Right? How do you receive the token? Full obedience. How do you do this? Peter said on the day of Pentecost, Repent every one of you and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, the token, for the promises unto you, to your children, and to them that's afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Hallelujah. Simple. It's still the same as it was on the day of Pentecost. It hasn't changed. 
It's still the same way. Right? So let's not make it something more complicated than it needs to be. It's God dealing with you? Repent. It's the goodness of God that leads us towards repentance. Right? And a lot of times, you and I, we want to lead people to repentance ourselves. Not, not even lead, force them. <laughs> you need to repent. You need to do this. You need to do that. Especially, like, we, there's a lot of young people that are born and raised in the message. And we think, oh, man, you know, they're 15, 16 years old, and they haven't received the Holy Ghost. Maybe God's not dealing with them yet. Right? But we want to, we want to force a time on them to, to accept Christ. But we can't do that. It has to be the Lord. We need to cultivate an atmosphere around them, to love them, for them to feel comfortable with us. Yeah. Amen. We sh- I mentioned this at young people's, but we shouldn't create an atmosphere where if they have a question, they only ask other people who are struggling. Because they're so afraid to expose themselves as having a question or having a struggle. So we create this sterile, stale environment where if they're having a question or a struggle, they only ask other people who are questioning things. They only ask other people who are struggling or they only ask other people who have already left. And it shouldn't be like that. It should be an atmosphere where people feel open to be like, no, Brother John, I'm struggling, brother. Can you pray for me? I have this need and this is exactly what it is. And can you help me, brother? We should have that kind of environment. The Bible says, confess your faults one to another. That's the kind of atmosphere and environment that we should have. Brother, I'm struggling. I have this need. I have this burden. Right? And we can bear with each other. Amen? So we need to come with our, our young people, with our children, to have a relationship with them, to love them. You know, this may sound so simple, but like our children, if you have a daughter, she needs to hear you say that she's pretty. Right? She needs to hear those things from your mouth. You know, honey, that skirt looks beautiful on you. Son, you're, I'm so glad I have you as my son. You're amazing. You're such a fine young man. You're strong. I call my son Mr. Muscles. You know? I mean, he's four years old, you know, skinny arms, little pot belly, right? But... But you want, you, want to, you want to help them grow up and cultivate them to be healthy. You know, <laughs> right? You want, you want, and that's what they need to have. So we need that relationship. So when time comes, when God begins to deal with their heart, we can, be, we can help them. They can feel comfortable to, to, to weep with us. Amen? To, to express their burdens and struggles with us. Relationship. That's what we need. Until they come to the time where God begins to move. and God be- When God begins to do it, it's completely different than when you and I try and manufacture it. Right? Because maybe we've seen God move, and then so we try and impersonate that and, and copy that. So we need to let God be God. And you and I need to stay in the atmosphere of the Holy Ghost. I'm thankful for the Emmanuel prayer meeting on Friday. That's wonderful. Lord, help us stay in the channel of prayer. Let's go a little bit further here. Because, uh, you know, I want people, I want myself too, to go further in my walk with God. As far as He wants me to go in it. I don't want to try and go further than He wants me to go in it. Right? Not all of us are called to be prophets. Right, Brother Orn? Not all of us are called to be prophets. But whatever He's called us to, we want to grow into that. Whatever the, the potential that God's put inside of us, we want to grow into that full potential. Are you, like, I deal a lot with trees, right? So every tree has a g- genetic potential. But depending upon the environment, depends how much it grows. Same tree, same species, same seed, but one can be this tall and one can be this tall, depending upon atmosphere, depending upon environment. And so I think that we, we need to encourage people, like I've been thinking a lot about the Philippian jailer. 
So Paul and Silas, they're in prison, and they're praying, and they're singing. They're in the atmosphere. Hallelujah. Worshiping the Lord in their trial. Hallelujah. It's good to worship the Lord in our trials. And the prison shakes, and things are happening, and the, the door is open, and the Philippian jailer wants to kill himself because he feels like if they've all escaped, and then I'm going to be killed, I might as well just kill myself now. But Paul says, don't kill yourself. We're all still here. But Brother Bram says this. The Philippian jailer, he said, after Paul talks to him, he says, what can I do to save, be saved? Philippian jailer asked Paul, what can I do to be saved? Most of us would tell him what not to do. Quit drinking, quit stealing, quit lying, quit smoking. But that wasn't his question. What must I do? Paul said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou and thy house shall be saved. Hallelujah. And then that night he was baptized, him and his house. So Paul told them what to do. And sometimes I think if we cultivate what people should be doing, it takes care of what they should be not be don'ting. Right? Not just focus on don't, 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 don't. Ex- express do. This is what you should do. And it, t- it will take care of a lot of the don'ts. Right? If, if, if different ones see those who, of us who claim to be walking with God, what we're doing... Help, Lord, let me create an atmosphere, as Brother Ram says, where they want to step right into that. Amen. They want to step right into that also. The atmosphere of the Holy Spirit. To walk with God. So we don't want to re- replace the supernatural gospel with man-made rules and checklists. Man-made bunkers. And we often want to see our version of Christianity displayed in others. <laughs> but God deals with us as individuals. Right? So I don't want to just try and force the Kyle Morton version of Christianity upon everybody else. But if we can all strive, amen, to agree with God's word, God's provided way, and then let God help us grow as individuals. Give God freedom in other people's lives. You know, I, I just love seeing the right attitude on somebody. Though maybe they're, I've mentioned this lots before, I know, but maybe they're new, and they have some weird quirks, and there's, maybe they're doing some things they shouldn't be doing. But when you see the right attitude, the right atmosphere, just focus on that. Amen. The other things will take care of themselves. If you can just focus on the right thing, the attitude, and encourage that. I mean, when I first started coming here, it took me a, quite a while for certain things to, start to fall off, you know? Music was very hard to break free of. Right. Music has a very strong hold on people, you know? And I remember, you know, sitting in my car and, you know, no one to be around, and I'd you know pick up an old Beatles tape, and oh, you know, struggle to you know put it in my car and just listen to some of the Beatles and so forth. But there came a time where the, the full desire was not for that. The desire inside of me began to push those things out, and I just wanted more things that would feed my soul. Amen. All right, but it took time. It took the word to wash me, for me to grow, for different ones to encourage me, to inspire me, to take me under their wing. Amen. God help us. Mentor others also. It's easy in a big church for people to fall between the cracks. And we're all, we all get very busy and kind of scattered. It's like, Lord, help me. Help me slow down. Help me prioritize my life a bit more. Right? It's, we're, 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 I know, you know we cannot solve fully how busy we are. But somehow we need to say, Lord, help me. I'm, you know, I'm struggling with how busy things are. Help guide me. Lead me with my time and with my energy. And that's why I mentioned Young People's on a couple Fridays ago. 
We need to please the Lord first and not worry, be worried about pleasing everybody else. You can't. It's impossible. There's no way for anybody here on the platform, anybody here to please everybody in the church. It's impossible. But if you just seek to please the Lord first, it'll make your life so much less stressful. If you're not worried about everybody and what they think about your clothes, what they think about your car, what they think about this and what they think about that, just let that leave your mind. <laughs> Lord, I just want to walk with you. It simplifies it because you can, be, you can allow your human nature to become so sensitive to everybody else's thinking. You know, they're thinking this about me and they're thinking this about me and they're thinking this about me. There's, somebody's always going to be chirping about you. Just get used to it. It's fine. That, humans are humans. But don't, yeah, don't worry about it. <laughs> don't worry about the chirping about you. Just love the Lord. Follow Him. And, and don't get a, a bitter attitude about people if they chirp about you. Say, praise God. Humans are humans. And you love them. But Lord, I, I just want to walk with you. I want to mind you. I don't want your voice to become one voice amongst voices. I want your voice to have the preeminence, to be the predominant voice and influence in my life. Amen? And of course, you know, we don't, you know, but Kyle, we don't want to stumble people and so forth. Jesus was the greatest stumbling block ever to hit the earth. Right? So we can't always worry about, you know, stumble, stumble, stumble. Just walk with the Lord. All of Israel stumbled at Jesus Christ. Right? Because he was after the order of Melchizedek, which completely did away with the order of Aaron. They had all of their orders and their buildings and their traditions, and Jesus completely changed everything. Hallelujah. <laughs> so it's not, we don't, you know, but with Kyle, if we offend this one or offend that one, if you just mind the Lord, don't worry. Just mind the Lord. Seek Him with your whole heart. Hallelujah. So I know this service is a bit random in some ways, but it'll be okay. <laughs> so I just want to go a little bit further because what we need is we need the Holy Ghost. Right? And we can receive it by the old-time way. Repent, be baptized, in the name of Jesus Christ, you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Right? So we, we need it. We need the Holy Ghost. Jesus paid for it. That's why we're baptized. That's why we're identified with His death, burial, and resurrection. That's why you're baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You're identified with His death and His resurrection. Hallelujah. Let's not forget that. It's, sometimes we, just, we, just, we get going through the motions. We forget why we're doing things. We know how, but we don't know why. Why are they being baptized like that? You know, why? Right? The Lord will give us understanding if we want it. And if we're willing to slow down. And so, we need the Holy Ghost. We can receive it by the same scriptural pattern in the book of Acts. Then people get confused. You know, how do I know if I have it or not? So, in this random service, I'm taking you through three steps. And uh, you're more than welcome to these quotes or to search it yourself too. But, so then, how do you know if you have it or not? In Desperations, one of my favorite quotes. Now, just not no certain evidence. See, you say, Brother Branham, he says, I feel it in your minds. Why will I know? Or, or how will I know? He's basically saying, how will I know I have the token? He's saying, look what were you and what are you? There is how you will know. See? What was you before this token was applied? What are you after it's applied? What was your desires before and what is your desires after? Then you know whether the token is applied or not. 
And these other things just go automatically with that, see? So the other things he's referring to is speaking in tongues, casting out devils, preaching. The other things will go along automatically once God changes our life by the Holy Ghost. Right? What are your desires? And you say, Brother Kyle, you know, is, this, is this scriptural? Well, in Acts chapter 2, when Peter comes out and preaches on the day of Pentecost, at first people are making fun of him. Hey, these people are drunk on new wine. What's going on here? Right? So they're making fun of Peter. And Peter gives his sermon. And then they come under conviction. Right? And they're baptized. And the Bible says at the end of Acts 2, how they continued in the apostles' doctrine and the breaking of bread and so forth. So there's people who are making fun of Peter. Sorry if I said Paul. They're making fun of Peter. And now they're continuing in the apostles' doctrine. So something happened to them. Their desires were changed. All of a sudden, 3,000 souls are baptized and so forth. So their lives were changed. Their, their desires were changed from mockers to believers. It's just that simple. At one point in time, something strikes our life where, Lord, I don't want to be just a church member. I don't want to be just one of the numbers who grew up a Bible way, who, who grew up in the message. I want to love you. I want to believe. I want to be real in my life. From the inside, I don't want to pretend or go through the motions. Lord, make it real in my life. Solidify this. Anchor this down. I don't want to keep revisiting this in my life, Lord. Because it's, it's, for some, I know it's confusing if you weren't born. If you, I, I come from the world, so I know how drastic that change is to go from worldly desires to word desires. But then there's those who are they're raised in a church environment, so they're singing Sunday school songs about you know being saved, being a Christian, and being a believer. So that's all you've ever known is the way of uh, church and Christ and so forth. So sometimes it can be confusing for some who are raising the message where, you know, I've kind of always had this or, or had that, but I believe God can make it real to you. If, you. if you actually search your heart and say, you know what, my desire is I'm not just here for fellowship. I'm not just here for a wife. I'm not just attending church for a husband. I mean, the message is, is it's, it's not just some turban. Right? Where a lot of East Indians, they're not, they're not real Sikhs, but they wear it to help them in business and marriage. Right? And the message is not that, Lord, I'm not here for just a wife. I'm not here just a husband. I'm not here just for a business. I'm here because, Lord, I love you. I want to serve you. I don't want just religion, some kind of covering. I want reality. I want the word to be real. I want discernment in my own heart so I can recognize right and wrong. I want this to be real in my life, Lord. I don't want this to be fiction or some fable or some fairy tale. I want this to be real, Lord. And I believe God can give that desire. God can break open that reality. Hallelujah. Peter, James, and John, and so forth, they were all raised in, in, in Judaism and so forth, and God came to them, changed their hearts, changed their lives, and God can do that for you and I too. And you, if we're honest, I believe we can really know if we have a desire or not. And for some, I believe they do have a desire. But then they begin to make a lot of mistakes and maybe they get confused and something goes wrong and something happens and they get kind of clouded and depressed and they don't know whether they have it or not. But I believe there's some like that, that they, they have the, the gift of the Holy Ghost. They just need to rise up from that. Shake themselves, amen? We need to step into basic Christianity, which is if we confess our faults. He is faithful and just to forgive us. I find it amazing the, the forgiving power of God when we ask for forgiveness not just think about I can't believe I did that I'm so bad I'm so evil I knew better right we, we, just, we just carry our mistake with us 
right? Rather than expressing it. Lord, forgive me. I didn't mean to do that. Oh, the forgiving power of God post-salvation is fantastic. Hallelujah. God just washes you. And others can watch you make a mistake and you ask for forgiveness and they don't understand how fast God can forgive you unless they've experienced that also. God just washes you and cleanses you and you walk with Him. Harmony. Not broken fellowship with our Father. Hallelujah. We're His children. We're not just people conforming to a book that He gave us. We're His children. Hallelujah. When my children ask me to forgive them, I don't want to hold it over them for weeks and months, you know, wake up in the morning and... No, they're my kids. I want harmony back with them just as bad as they should want it with me. Right? God wants fellowship with you and I. He doesn't enjoy broken fellowship. Right? He doesn't enjoy us just being wounded. Drifting. Oh, I did this and I did that. Lord, let's make, let's make use of God's provided way. If we confess our sins, amen, He is faithful and just to forgive us. Like I was saying, you know, if you go to plumbing school, you should know how to plumb. If we're in the Word, if we're in Christianity, we should begin to learn to, learn to apply these principles. Hallelujah. And you know, like Brother Elias, for a plumber and so forth, you know, they have to continually study to maintain their ticket. Same with you and I. We don't know everything. Sounds like, hmm, Lord, how does that work again? Yeah. Let, let me search there about forgiveness and about confessing my sins. Let me dig into that, Lord. We, 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 we search the word so we can apply it in our lives. Right? The, display it publicly. Hallelujah. So glad God's able to change our desires. Because justification is complete and perfect. Once you're justified... He shed his blood, and by faith we're justified. Hallelujah. That's perfect. That's complete. But sanctification is this ongoing process. Right? We'll always need that sanctification process until the rapture. If you're expecting a perfect sanctification in this life, I think you're a bit off-skewed a bit. (laughs) We always need the sanctifying work of God in our lives. Hallelujah. That's a different subject, but it's a good subject couple more quotes and then I'll be done this is another one I want to about the same kind of thought but there's a sister who's struggling in Brother Ram's church and it's a private interview before he preaches the masterpiece it's called Interview with Sister Bruce it's like 10 minutes long this is just one part of it because the, the sister is having trouble trouble with her salvation really for it to be clear in her life and she's tormented and she's and she has a real desire, and she, she wants to be spiritual. And if you can, you, most of you have probably listened to it, but she says, "I make so many mistakes, and I fail so many times." Who says that? Anyone else? Make so many mistakes, fail so many times. Hallelujah. That's why Christ had to die. <laughs> I love it. So that you, with your mistakes, wouldn't be lauded to you. See, He took your mistakes. Your desire in your heart is to serve Him. All right, that's what He died for, so you could serve Him. See. Your mistakes are not looked at or lauded to you. He is your propitiation. He's the mercy seat. He is your sin offering. Your sins are not known. You're not a sinner before God. Christ took your sins and became you because your desire is to serve Him. Hallelujah. So thankful Christ died for you and I. Let's not forget that. Let's not try and think like we're beyond Christ dying for us at Calvary. So she's, she's struggling. I make so many mistakes. So Brother Ram's pointing her to Calvary. He's pointing her to Christ's death. Don't forget that. 
Same with you and I. Don't. If you ever start thinking, I make some mistakes. Think about the Lord Jesus. What he did for you. What he did for me. Sister Bruce says, but I've never had an experience that I've been filled with the Holy Ghost that I could put my foot on. Because remember, this is Pentecost, right? So they're always looking for some big experience, some super duper. All right. Notice this. Ordinarily, a human being is born in sin, shaped in iniquity, come to the world speaking lies. That's the nature of a human being. That was your nature. It changed once, but what changed it? Christ. There you are, sister. See? That's it. (laughs) I love it. Oh, it's so simple. You know, this is the nature of a human being. But you're not, you're, not, you're not like that anymore. Why? What changed that? Christ. There you are. Amen. There's your experience to put your foot upon. Right? right? It doesn't have to be some screaming, shouting, camp experience. Those are good. But you ha- put your foot on the fact that Christ changed your life. Amen. If Christ changed your life, what more of an experience to anchor down on do you need? It's that simple. We shouldn't try and have to like beef up our testimony with something super duper. Christ changed my life. <laughs> That's good enough. What else do I need? I don't need, I don't need a, a half an hour you know, testimony. Just Christ changed my life. I couldn't do it myself. But He did it. Hallelujah. He died for me. He paid a price I could never pay. I owed a debt I couldn't pay. Hallelujah. So that's in, in a very strange way of, you know, what is the token? It's the Holy Ghost. How do we get it? The same way they got it in the book of Acts. And how do we know? Your life. What are your desires? Amen. You, you and I may not be seeing all the manifestations we want to see. Because in our mind, we think the book of Acts was two weeks long. But it was about 30 years of compiled highlights of the entire church. Not just, you know. So you and I need to stop thinking that all of it, we're all, and if you, if you actually read the book of Acts, a lot of the times we just mention the super miraculous highlight. There's other stuff that happens in the book of Acts. There's squabbles, there's fights, there's confusion. There's all sorts of things going on in the acts of the Holy Spirit moving in the church. Amen? So sometimes we need to realize, God, don't let my concept of Christianity be Hollywood and not real. Right? I need to understand the fact that Christianity is about God working with fallen humans <laughs> who are changed by the power of God because He shed His blood at Calvary. But Him changing our life does not make us unhuman. We're still human. You can still be tempted. You can still be influenced by things pulling you a certain direction because you and I are human. doesn't mean we're not a son or daughter of God. Some of us need to just need to realize, yes, you are human. No matter how much you want to, you know, dress up in a suit, you and I are human. Right? Don't have a bath for a couple weeks. You'll start smelling very human. And it'll become very real to you how human you are. Right? But this world, and sometimes in our, in our mind, we forget that. And it, we need to realize that God loves us even in the midst of our humanity. Partly because he has long-range vision. He's, he's seeing things at the end of the road because this is not going to continue on forever like this. 
this whole story of fallen men being born and being saved, this whole earthly story, as it is now, the scripture says is going to be like a garment that's put away. Right? We're not always going to be struggling with sin, struggling with the devil, struggling with these things that will not be the... And God knows that. So he sees his sons and daughters coming back to him for fellowship that know him in a greater way than Adam and woman did. Right? Because they could never know him. They didn't know about his healing power, about his saving power, about his forgiving power. They didn't know the other attributes of God. That we experience those as we go back to him for more perfect harmony and fellowship. Hallelujah! But let's not forget that you and I are human. If you don't mind. (laughs) But it doesn't change the fact that you're a son and daughter of God. Right? And you and I know where musicians come. You and I know ourselves so well. And you know what? God puts a burden upon us when we're not saved to get saved. He'll put some desperation upon you and I to come to Christ. God puts on us desperation to get saved. That's just as God worked upon Cornelius, God worked on these different ones to draw them unto himself. You and I cannot muster up the desire by our own self. So God put the desperation upon us to come to him. Then once we become a Christian, we have other times of desperation, but it doesn't mean we need to get saved again. There's other times of burden that come upon us to fulfill a different purpose, a different task that he has for us. So when we come to Christ, we can't expect to not have times of desperation, but we need to understand it does not mean that we're not saved. We get desperate sometimes. We shouldn't be linking back to, am I saved or not? No, it's a different season for some other purpose. God's molding us or God's trying to do something in our lives. And this has meant a lot to me last couple of weeks I've been thinking about how we need to learn to work with those times and not just get them off us and not wrestle with them. I began to think about when my two children were born. First, Sarah was born and she was my firstborn and so you, you don't really know about the whole process of kids being born, right? And uh, neither did Christina because he's a firstborn child and so forth. And so Sarah was a very uh, hard birth. I think partly because you know, Christina was very dehydrated, so that causes different things. And we had a midwife, and she, she wasn't doing a very good job. She was sick. And so Christina just wasn't... And I'm not telling the story the best way, and, but she, Christina just wasn't as relaxed as she should have been. And so we, we almost lost Sarah because it was, just, it was that intense. And it made me just think about the power of the curse that God put upon man and woman for, for what they did in the Garden of Eden. The power of that curse. But I remember it was like, it was, it was close. Because we, we weren't, it just, we weren't right in the, we weren't moving according with the ebbs and flows of the trial correctly. Until we, we this part, until we called in my father-in-law who was getting in the spirit in the hallway. My brother Don, he came in there and just called on the, <laughs> called on God. And just, 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 just changed everything. But then, but then with, with Simeon, it was different. We had a little bit of experience with a child being born. Right? So you have a bit of experience with that birth pain. You have a bit of experience with that kind of travailing. Right? And our midwife then was very good. She grabbed Christina's shoulders and she says, you, you need to relax. Right? And Christina just began to work with those pains. Any, any woman who's given birth, you know how it comes and it goes and it comes. and it's, I don't know nothing about it, but I'm in the room. <laughs> I'm grabbing oxygen and stuff, you know. <laughs> but she began to work with, with it rather than fight it. 
And, and Simeon just came a whole lot more faster, smoother. I know it's the second one and so forth, but still the atmosphere was more her working with those pains. And the last couple of weeks, whenever a trial comes and so forth, rather than fight it, work with it. Work with the ebbs and flows of God dealing with you. Don't fight it or resist it. Ah, you know, I have my own plan. I have my own concept of the way I want to do things. Lord, work with it. Amen. When you're, when you're in rush hour, when you're in traffic and you get frustrated because it's not, just work with it. Lord, here I am in rush hour. There's nothing I can do. Just work with it. Relax. Maybe you're not supposed to be where you're supposed to be on time. Maybe being late's okay. You work with it more rather than always fighting against it. Right? Because times of desperation, trial, and struggle are always going to hit us. But it's best we learn to work with them, not fight against them. Amen? And God wants to have his way. In our, he will have his way in our lives. In, in spite of our humanity. Maybe you can start playing in Christ alone, number 1128. But I was thinking about how I think uh, Jacob when he was blind or sorry Isaac when he was old how he, he wanted to put the firstborn blessing upon Esau he was a prophet but Jacob tricked him and Jacob got that firstborn blessing right God's will was being fulfilled through Jacob, Esau and Isaac despite Isaac praying the blessing upon the one he didn't want to, he wanted to be on Esau and uh, uh, Jacob being sneaky and all these different things going in place. God was fulfilling his plan in spite of all the human drama. Right? And God's going to fulfill his will in our lives in spite of all the human drama. God's going to do it in our lives. Amen? So maybe we stand to our feet. We'll sing in Christ alone. Brother Ryan can help me.
Praise the Lord. You happy to be a Christian? Amen. I just pray that this Christmas season you have a good Christmas season. Love the Lord. Love your family. For those of you who are going to be seeing family and friends, you know, same faith that worked for you can work for them. Just project that atmosphere. Let's not project self-righteousness to our loved ones. Let's project a life that they want something that we have. It's just a privilege to be able to gather on the table with different ones. And Lord, help us love you. Let's have a word of prayer. And maybe we'll sing one more song before we go. Heavenly Father, we love you, Lord Jesus. I just thank you, Lord. You've done a work in our lives. We're so undeserving, Lord, but we're not focusing upon that. You are the worthy one, Lord Jesus. And I'm so thankful you died for us on Calvary. You came down in flesh, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Let it never become an old story, Lord. Let us be able to ponder that, think about that, Lord Jesus. Just bring a real freedom from condemnation, Lord. Help different ones, maybe in their mind, they're battling with this and that and torment. Lord, send the Holy Ghost by their way to strengthen them, Lord Jesus. Father, we want to walk with you. Lord, we want to be used for your glory. Help us as parents with our children. For those who are young men, young ladies, Lord, give them the right atmosphere and attitude towards dealing with their parents also, Lord. And strengthen us at work, at school, Lord, wherever we may go. Lord Jesus, we just want to represent you and your work in our lives. Have your way, Father. We just love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. Do you mind one more song? We'll sing When I See the Blood, song 747. He was singing a couple verses in a chorus. Christ, our Redeemer.